Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today's episode continues a series of off-season interviews Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman has recently conducted with Arizona State football coaches. Today, you'll hear his interview with ASU wide receivers coach and assistant recruiting coordinator, Prentice Gill. Gill is entering his first season under Herm Edwards, and he joined the program in December after serving at Oregon as an offensive analyst in 2019. Prior to that, Gill spent three seasons as a graduate assistant at USC, working primarily with the wide receivers. Gill was a wideout for Old Dominion during his junior and senior seasons of college after starting his career at Los Angeles Harbor Junior College. Following last season, ASU lost two senior receivers who were starters, Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Williams. Ayuk was drafted in the first round at number 25 overall by the San Francisco 49ers, giving ASU first-round NFL picks in back-to-back seasons at the position after Nikhil Harry was selected by the Patriots with a number 32 overall selection last year. With Ayuk and Williams having departed, there will not be much experience in the Sun Devils wide receiver room outside of senior wide receiver Frank Darby. However, the Sun Devils' recruiting efforts did land them a record four four-star wide receiver prospects according to the 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings, L.B. Bunkley-Sheldon, Elijah Badger, Johnny Wilson, and Chad Johnson Jr., in addition to the highly touted freshmen who are joining the program, sophomores Ricky Pearsall and Jordan Curley had meaningful moments last season while Edwards has spoken highly of fellow sophomore wideout Jordan Porter. In this podcast, Gil also discusses how important it was for his position group to get seven practices in during spring ball before the coronavirus halted ASU spring program. All these topics and more will be discussed in this episode. The voice you hear next is Cartman, followed by Gil. Coach, tell me how you doing. I'm doing good, Chris. Just trying to survive, you know, the craziness, trying to keep myself busy. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, any any kind of things you're doing with your workouts or that you're reading or that you're enjoying uh, uh, so during I'm, this time? Yeah, so I'm actually I'm actually starting a, a, a juicing diet right now. Um, I'm doing a juicing diet right now, so I'm actually on my fourth day. I haven't ate for four days. Wow. Um, so, that, yeah, that's a little tough. I've lost about 10 to 12 pounds in the last four days, so. My last day is tomorrow, and then I'm, I'm going to start heavy in the weight room on Monday. So I'm going to eat, like, vegetables and fruits over the weekend and then start heavy in the weight room on Monday. You're not messing around. No, nah, no. Nah, my, my brother kind of put me on it, and uh, it, it, it kind of worked for him. So I said, okay, let me just try to knock out this five days. But I'm on the fourth day, and I'm starting to get a little aggy now. So yeah. <laughs> I need the fifth day to kind of pass by. When when they put out that that push up video of all the staff members, you were the yeah. guy doing the doing the clap push ups, and it looked pretty easy for you. So uh, yeah. I think yeah, I, I think you're probably doing shape. all right, better than most of us. Yeah, I try to stay in shape for the most part. And me and Hawk, we was having a little competition. So when he knocked his push ups out, I figured I would one up him. I got you. So as far as just your, your interactions with your group right now, like. Walk me through just kind of what things you're able to do, how you feel like it's going. Got you. Um, so actually, so they recently extended the Zoom meetings uh, to where we can meet uh, a lot more. I want to say it's unlimited now. Uh, but we do about probably maybe two to three position group meetings a week. Uh, when they were in finals, we couldn't do it because obviously school came first. Uh, but we're starting up now again. So we do about two to three meetings a week. Uh, I try not to, to kill them on the meetings. Uh, with like hour, hour and a half long means because honestly, without us playing football, there's just not that much to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we did that was really good was uh, I'm trying to get some of my my ex pro guys to get on, you know, and talk to the kids. So like I had Nelson Aguilar, and he jumped on and 
we had we had an hour meeting. That was probably one of our best meetings where literally I just let him talk about his process of uh, college coming into his last year, how his process was trying to get acclimated to the NFL, what were some of the challenges that he faced. And uh, I let the guys in the room just kind of bounce questions off him. So that was really good. Uh, I, pro- I got Robert Woods coming up soon, and I'm probably going to do Juju next week. So that was that was some of the things that I've tried to do that's a little bit more creative. And that kind of keeps the guys' attention a lot more because it's kind of hard to keep their attention when they're not playing football, you know? Right. So yesterday, Herm was talking on the Pac-12 webinar about guys having all this freedom and independence now and how they handle that is going to be so determinative in what type of shape they come back in and and just where they're at. Yeah, what kind of motivators or what kind of things do you say to them and what are really the keys for them being successful through this? Uh, well, a few things. I mean, obviously, they'll have a conditioning test when when they come back, so I'm constantly reminding them on that. Uh, the good thing is a lot of our kids are from SoCal. You know, we got a, quite a bit. So, obviously, Jaden is out here, and uh, me and Jaden text probably every day. He gets with some of the receivers that are in SoCal, and they throw so they do stay in shape. But part of what I was telling you about the, those NFL guys that I had jumping on Zoom, that was part of what I had to keep to keep them motivated because, you know, for example, like Nelson, I mean, he works out like twice a day right now. He has, you know, NFL quarterbacks come to his backyard because he has a turf field. So mm-hmm. he just talks to them about the process of – because the next level, you know, you don't have – your strength and conditioning coach gives you a workout. They take you through it. But you don't have conditioning. You don't have, you know, a winter workout or a summer conditioning period. You don't have that in the NFL. Everything right. is kind of on your own, you know. So that was a big reason why I brought in some of my ex-players to talk to them because they already know what it's like to have to get up and work out and keep yourself in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had Nelson talk to them about the, the importance of that, and I'm going to get a few other guys to talk to them about the importance of it because that's that's something that you have to get used to at the next level, you know, whereas in college, guys are telling you what to do every day. For sure. So just walk me through just kind of what you felt like um, – your group, you know, looked or how they looked from the, the, the half of spring ball that you were able to get in. And, and it, is that a big benefit in that now they can go back and watch all that film? You did all your in, a lot of your installs. You know, guys are able to get that, that memory of that experience. Yeah, I, I think I definitely think it's a, it's a benefit, obviously, because there's some schools out there that only got one or two practices. Uh, the only thing that I'll say that we didn't necessarily benefit on completely was that because we have a new offense and mm-hmm. excuse me I'm sorry um because we have a new offense and you know our offense has so many different intricates and wrinkles and et cetera to it it probably was going to take us about half a spring ball to get it down and right when we started feeling comfortable like we knew it is when it got shut down so mm-hmm. obviously it was good to get those seven days to kind of learn it but we never got to see the guys go full speed, if that makes sense, without hesitation. It and, does. Uh, that's, yeah, that's something that was kind of a little disappointing because right when we kind of started to get the grips of it, they, they you know, we had to pull out a spring ball. So I haven't seen my group really play full speed without hesitating. The only time I've seen them do that is in the bowl week, you know, which I'm grateful that I got the coach in the bowl week. Uh, but, I mean, some guys did show up. You know, Brandon Pierce had a good spring ball. You know, it's about keeping him consistent. Uh, Frank looked good when he was hurt. I mean, when he was healthy. You know, when he was hurt, you know, obviously he couldn't do much. Uh, you know, Jordan Curley had a couple of days. Ricky Pierce on Jordan Curley were kind of up and down. Andre Johnson was up and down. But when they had good days, they had good days. So it's more just I'm really interested in camp 
to see who picks it up, who learns the fastest, who remembers it, right, because you're going to see who's been studying Mm-hmm. And um, who who's able to play the fastest? You know that's going to be the that's going to be the biggest determining factor. Now I, I know this offense is is as you're saying more intricate. You have to kind of know the way all the pieces move together, right? And you have to be able Correct. to 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 you know do all the different alignments and motions and there's a ton of stuff. Uh, on a, from your experience, where on the spectrum is the 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 challenge of this offense for wide receivers? Uh, you know, is it like on the really extreme end of, of the demanding of what they have to know and, and be able to adapt to? Is it in the middle? Uh, I know last year it seemed like that was on the easier scale because guys tended to have to just know their route on any given play. Yep, yep. Uh, I think this one is, is definitely on the on the difficult end. I, I don't think it's in the middle. I do think it's difficult, uh, especially for these guys. For the simple fact that one, they came from the offense last year, right? That was a lot. That was a lot easier. And some of those guys have played now for two to three years, so that's one deal. Like if you take a guy like Frank, I mean, he's lined up on one side of the field his entire career, right? So now he has to actually move, you know what I mean, from left to right, and sometimes the slot. So that's different, you know. And they actually have to learn whole concepts now instead of just knowing what their job is. So it's definitely difficult. Uh, they have to learn the concepts. They have to learn where to line up. And they actually have to read coverage now, whereas last year and the years before, they didn't even have to read coverage. Right. They just ran the route, and the quarterback read it and gave them the ball if they were open. So it's definitely on the difficult side. Uh, I think it started off difficult. I think that they felt good in the playbook. And when we got on the field, it was a little like, ooh, you know, things kind of got a little, you know, dizzy out there. But I, I, I feel like they have a good grasp of it when we, when we first got on – uh, the quarantine, and we started doing Zoom meetings, and we were watching the old pra- practices. Everybody on there knew exactly what was going on, and that made me feel a lot better that they still remembered what was going on and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I felt great. I felt good. Uh, like I said, I just can't wait to get back on the field. You know, yeah. so we can so we can start repping it. It seems like for them, it might be a frustrating experience at times having to learn everything. But the the upside to what you guys are doing has to be a lot higher because of the adaptability uh, and, and just how it's going to be almost impossible for defenses to stop you if everybody is operating at a high level in terms of reading what they're seeing out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think there's two two major benefits. There's a lot of benefits, but I think there's two major benefits: one for the team and one for self. Uh, I think the one for the team is obviously. If we're doing the right things and clicking and everybody knows what they're doing, it will be really hard for defenses to line up. It will be really hard for them to get calls in and not blow coverages and et cetera. Uh, I think the benefit for self is that this de- this offense is more predicated to how NFL uh, offenses are. Right. So they'll come into the NFL more ready, you know, right. if that makes sense, instead of a guy who played in the offenses last year you know, probably would come into the NFL a little bit more, you know, hesitant. Like I talked to Brandon Ayuk, and that was something he spoke to me about that he was a little nervous about, you know. So, yeah, I think it'll be beneficial on both ends, and I, I think it'll help ultimately. I just think we just got to, you know, we just got to practice. That's the biggest thing. Right. So you mentioned Frank there a couple of times. His, his energy is boundless. I'm sure he's doing no all kinds of crazy stuff right now. Um, but he, he's always been a huge home run threat, obviously. Yep. What are the keys to rounding out his game in the way that, that you guys all want to see and he wants to see so he can get drafted high next year? The the three things, and I, I, me and Frank, I mean, we talk all the time, uh, but the three things is literally his releases, the top of his routes, and catching the ball. 
Mm. That, that's the biggest thing. Frank is one of the best deep ball threats I've ever seen, personally. Um, he tracks the ball very well down the field. I think catching the ball on in-breaking routes consistently, uh, you know, with tight coverage, I think that, that it, you have to be able to do those things to be a guy. You know, I think beating press coverage consistently, you have to be able to do those things, and you got to be able to come out of the top of your route. So those are the three things that Frank isn't necessarily bad at any three of those things, but he's not great at them yet either. You know, right. so those are the things me and him talk about. And the good thing of Frank is that he's very aware. He's very self-aware. He knows that. He knows, hey, I need to work on the top. He knows that I, he has to work on his releases, and he knows that he needs to, you know, make contested catches. He knows that those are the three things that separate himself from the guys that have went high in the draft, you know. So he's challenging himself. Me and him talk about it all the time. And uh, he actually just came back to Arizona. So, you know, he'll have a little bit more access to move around out there. Things aren't as shut down. And uh, he's working. He's working. We talk all the time about it. What does he do from a, a veteran presence leadership standpoint in the room? Uh, one the one thing Frank does is he stays positive. Obviously, he's a very positive person. I, I, I do love that about him because – it allows me to be hard on the group, you know, uh, with me kind of being in the room by myself instead of having, you know, an, uh, a right-hand assistant, it's hard. Sometimes you have to have that balance of, you know, uh, a guy that's hard in the room and a guy that's a little bit easier. And with me just being in there by myself, you know, at times it can get a little challenging trying to trying to do both, trying to be hard on the guys, but also trying to lift them up. So Frank does a really good job lifting them up. Uh, and I love that about him. And the second thing he does, he does a good job still holding them accountable, you know, and, and not letting them make excuses. When guys start making excuses, it's not always me just speaking up. Uh, you get Frank speaking up also, and I think that's that's a really good deal. And uh, I think I think that's meshed pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Brandon Pierce earlier. He, yeah. he definitely hit the ground running in spring ball, and yeah. uh, he's, he's gained weight, and he seems – he seems to be a good fit for this offense in terms of the ability to get him some clean releases yep. uh, with his speed. What do you think is kind of possible for him this year? Uh, to be honest with you, I'll, same, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I tell BP, man. And I think a lot is possible. You know, the sky's the, really, the sky's the limit for him if he does the right things. You know, the biggest thing Brandon Pierce is not talent. And, and the, the thing is, I, I know Brandon Pierce's past. I, I know a, a lot of people that know him. And his deal has never been talent. You know, it's it's about him doing the right things consistently on and off the field. And it's about him just committing to being disciplined for a long period of time without straying away, you know. And if he does that, I mean, I think he can have a really big year in this offense. I mean, Zach does a lot of good job. I mean, does a lot of good things, you know, moving guys around, getting the ball in their hands, uh, getting them down the field, using his type of talent. Uh, Coach Hill does a lot of good things with that those type of players. So, if he commits himself, I think he'll do really, really big things for us. Uh, I'm fired up about him. Coach Hill's fired up. But if he doesn't, you know, then, I, you know, he'll he'll kind of come up short. And me and him talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Jordan Porter, a, a longer kid with great top-end speed, right, track track speed. Yep. Uh, what are some of the keys for him uh, to kind of become a consistent player at this level? Biggest thing is catching the ball. You know, yeah. and he knows that catching the ball, getting off a of press. But the most important thing is catching the ball. Uh, if he can catch the ball consistently, you know, I think that he can be a really big help and a big threat for us. Obviously, with his speed and him being so long, you know, that that threatens defensive guys. But if he if he doesn't catch the ball consistently, you know, obviously that, you know, all of those that speed and that length is is kind of you know invalid at that point. Yeah, there's 
it's a young group that you have. Um, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I don't, I don't know that people fully appreciate how intricate that it is to develop into a, a full service wide receiver. Um, and so the, the conversations that you have with these guys, Jordan and Ricky and, and Andre around that and keeping them focused and, 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 you know, the, the incremental progress, difficult to see, but you got to think about the big picture. What kind of, what is that like just going through that with them? Um, it's, it's challenging at times, but it's, it's also fun, you know, because, it's challenging because they don't they don't know what they don't know, yeah. you know. And the the fun part is I I know where we can get, you know what I mean. And, and I know that when we get there, it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's kind of challenging and fun. But I think the biggest thing that I try to harp on them is, you know, everybody knows we're young, you know, for the most part. You know, if you pay attention, you know, you know we have a young group. We you know that we lost our three top leading receivers last year in Eno, Kyle, and and NBA. Uh, so. With that being said, with us losing our top three in production, you know, you know that the group has a long way to go. But what I try to explain to them is that the great ones don't wait to grow up. The great ones don't say, hey, I'm young, I'll get it eventually. You know, mm-hmm. when you see the really great receivers, you know, Nikhil Harry, he showed flashes early. You know, Juju Smith showed flashes early. So I try to tell them, like, don't wait to be great and don't wait to be good. You know, just try to be good right now because if you're good right now, then you got two or three years. If you wait till your junior senior year, you're only a good player for one year possibly, you know. So trying to get them to take that age out of their head. Everybody else is thinking it. We don't need to think about age. We just need to try to be the best we can be right now. And uh, that's what I try to challenge them with all the time. And those guys, they need that sense of urgency because you have a really good group of guys coming in that are going to push push them immediately. The The – you know, normally uh, you would have your, your freshman arriving by some point in June, probably. Yep. Um, this year is obviously different in a lot of respects. What what kind of things are you – I know until they graduate, they can't be in your Zooms and all that. Yep. But what, what's your process like with these four really highly touted receivers that you guys have coming in to try to get them as much up to speed as you can through this? Uh, well, one, the good thing is the the one advantage we do have is obviously with the quarantine and, and the, the COVID deal is that three of our four guys are SoCal guys. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've already been thrown with Jaden two to three times a week, okay. you know, so they're already with them. So that that's that's the on-the-field process, right? And in the, the off-the-field process, obviously we got them the playbook early and we're doing tests. We have different apps where we can test the guys. You know, I get on FaceTime with them and I talk to them about the process of – how to watch film because they do have access to film. And uh, we test them. I test them on formations. I test them on motions. I test them on different things. And, honestly, they're picking it up. They're picking up pretty early, you know. Um, so three out of four are down here. And uh, the, the the one good thing is the one guy that's not down here is obviously Elijah Badger. But, honestly, Elijah Badger is a hardworking kid already. You know, he comes mm-hmm. from a good home. His mom, I mean, is always all over him. That kid works out a lot, you know. So when he's not doing school – He's always working out. Physically, he'll be ready. We'll get the mental part when he gets there. And uh, I'll talk to him on the phone, and we'll get that part down packed, and he'll learn it. But I, I, think the, I think the three, I mean, the four freshmen are doing a really good job, and I think that they're going to be very, very prepared. Uh, and I think it's going to be fun to add them to the group. I think it's going to add the level of competition that's going to either make people grow up or kind of sink, you know, and I think that's really good. That's good for every receiver. 
it seems like a pretty big advantage that those three guys are able to work with Jaden and he can help them on offense as well in, what, in addition to what you're doing. A hundred percent. I think it's a huge advantage. I think one thing it's an advantage, they get timing. You know, they get to kind of learn the language that, that we talk, you know, what different plays, I mean, how we call different plays, what, what different terminology we use for different routes. I think the second thing it helps is it helps Jaden. I think it helps Jaden have to be a leader. You know, Jaden was a very talented kid last year, but he, he wasn't expected to lead, if that makes right. sense. Right. You know, he could lean on, you know, he could lean on BA. He could just kind of be, you know, the 18 year old kid just kind of tossing the ball around and being talented. Well, you know, I tell Jaden all the time, me and him have talks. I say, Hey, you got to stop looking for the guy this year. There is no guy. You're the guy. You yeah. know, it's you. It, it, you know, the spotlight is on you. So yeah. I think with him being out there with those guys, I think it's kind of getting him used to kind of calling the shots and being a leader, whereas last year he didn't have to do that. Yeah. So now that you've kind of settled in more, what's it like being part of the staff? Because it's um, the most diverse staff that I've covered at ASU with Herm and Marvin and Sean Slocum, guys like that yep. who have just a wealth of experience. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, there's a, a lot of uh, minorities on the staff uh, of, of all different kinds, and yep. you have your the youth element all the way down to Seahawk. Um, what has this actually been like, and how do you kind of view this staff? Uh, it's been great, to be honest with you. Like, it, it's really been great. I think the biggest thing is, you know, the staff has so much humility for how much success the staff has had in their in their life on and off the field. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 very um, you know, human, and they're very modest. And, and, you don't, you know, when you're talking to Coach Marv, you know, he doesn't make you feel like, you know, you're talking to a legend even though you know you are. You know, right. he doesn't hold himself above anybody. He's very – he's a human. You know, he knows he's a human being, and he treats us like that, and he treats himself like that. And, you know, that level of respect is always, you know, respected, you know, especially when you've been at other places where it's not always like that, you know. So, you know, him, guys like him, guys like Coach Herm, you know, obviously I've known AP – you know, a little longer, so me and him have a good relationship. I mean, me and Chris have, you know, probably the best relationship on the staff with my relationship going back with him. You know, but, I mean, I can go all day. I mean, guys like Slocum, I love Slocum. You know, Slocum's a great dude. Uh, I feel like I can work with that guy for 15, 20 years, you know what I mean? So you have those different guys on the staff, you know, that – and honestly, most most of our staff is like that. You know, I, I feel like it's a really good jail. I think they did a good job. Coach Edwards and uh, Ray and, you know, Gene and Nate and all those guys, they did a good job interviewing and picking guys that not only fit football-wise but personality-wise. Right. And you've been pretty uh, yeah, um, ambitious on Twitter about just kind of your expectations for yourself in yeah. recruiting. What, yeah. now, now that you kind of have the lay of the land uh, at ASU, what do you think about the possibility uh, from a recruiting standpoint? Uh, I think the possibility is great. You know, obviously, I, I wish we were on the road. I think I do best in person when I am on the road, you know, but right. the, the best thing about me, me, and I think it's the same thing about Hawk, is that, you know, we don't have family. We don't have a wife. We don't have kids. So, you know, the fact that we can get on the phone, we can do a lot more things, and we have a lot more time than a lot of our competitors do. And I think that's a big advantage for us, you know. Uh, but I think the sky's are the limit we're recruiting. I think we're doing a lot of big things and recruiting behind the scenes. You know, I feel like you know, some schools are, are getting a lot of commits early, and I think we're kind of playing it right. You know what I mean? I, I think we're making headway with a lot of big recruits. If you look all on Twitter, I mean, we're in a lot of people's top five, top six. Yes. And, you know, a lot of that still doesn't even show volume because a lot of those top five, top sixes, we're number one or number two. 
mm-hmm. you know, so I feel I feel really good about where we're at. Um, I just, you know, I, I think as long as we follow it up with a good season, I think that we'll have a really, really, really strong recruiting class, and I think we'll make a lot of splashes at the end uh, as long as we close the right way. Well, you might need to get off that juice cleanse so you can keep that energy up, man. <laughs> I'm off in one day. On Friday, I'm done. Tomorrow, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Sunday, Sun Devil Nation, I'll take comfort in that, I think, man. So, well, anyways, uh, Prentice, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Always learn something from talking to you. And no uh, I think ASU fans will appreciate this. Thank you. Appreciate that, Chris. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Gil, and you can also read the Q&A on Sun Devil Source, as well as our other reporting we'll have on the team's wide receivers this offseason. Be on the lookout in your feeds for the rest of our position coach interviews in the weeks to come. Thank you for tuning in. Akuna Matata.